Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Hi, I'm Jennifer Gonzalez from the Cult of Pedagogy Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to episode 99. 99! Can you believe that? Episode 99 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. 99! I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning, and I can't believe we made it to episode 99. It's crazy. Uh, but we got a lot of stuff in store for you today. In this episode, we are going to talk about some Google time savers. So we like to get googly, of course, but this time of year, everybody's running around so crazy and so busy that we thought it would be useful to share some of these time-saving tips to help you and your students and of course, we've got some pretty cool Google news and updates to share and some interesting mailbag topics from our listeners. So you ready to get started, Matt? Yeah, 99. Holy cow. Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, Tribe, let's get started with some Google news and updates. I'm kind of excited about this first one. This has to do with Google Earth. We put this one on the list and Casey was like, yep, I knew Matt was going to pick this one. It's like, I seem to love all of the Google Earth things. So this one is especially cool. It's called Create Your Own Maps and Stories in Google Earth. So check this out. Uh, Google Earth has some new creation features. This reminds me a lot of Google Tour Builder. Like maybe they've taken some of the functionality of Tour Builder and they've built it into Earth. So... Here's what it says. With the creation tools in Google Earth, you can draw your own place marks, lines, and shapes, and then attach them to your own custom text, images, and videos to these locations. You can organize your story into a narrative and collaborate with others. And when you've finished your story, you can share it with others. By clicking the new present button, your audience will be able to fly from place to place in your custom-made Google Earth narrative. So all of a sudden my mind is starting to spin with ways that I could, you, know, you could potentially use this in the classroom. Um, I could see plotting the different locations from a novel. You know, there's of course, geography and history built all into this. Um, you know, with science, there's different geographical locations that, that could be connected. Um, there's, there's math in this too. I mean, this could really go just about anywhere. And, um, the fact that you can add your own text and add your own, you know, rich content to it, um, really kind of makes it a blank canvas for 
taking geography and playing with it and making something with it. So um, I am super, super excited in the Google Teacher Tribe way. <laughs> I am super excited about this and really want to get a chance to start playing with it. I'm trying to figure this out. Is this like a new version of Tour Builder? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I'd said, I, I think that maybe, you know, it's got some of the functionality that Tour Builder used to have. And so I wonder if maybe eventually they'll sunset Tour Builder. Of course, it's a with Google also. So it's not like an official Google product. So yeah, maybe, maybe they just decided they needed to integrate that into Earth. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And, and that's what it, it looks like. So the next thing I want to share with you is actually in beta, but I still think that this is something important enough to discuss. And what's happening is, you know, that smart compose feature we've had in Gmail now for a little while. So it predicts what you're going to type and you just hit tab or you tap on it with your finger on mobile and it finishes your sentence for you is now coming to Google Docs. So I think this is going to be fantastic. And in fact, I think this is going to help a lot of struggling writers as well in the classroom. So I'm pretty excited to see this. I it, Again, it's, it's just in beta. You have to opt in. So if you want to try it on your personal account, um, you may be able to do that. But as far as your G Suite for Education account, you're probably going to have to wait a while. But it is pretty interesting to see this showing up in Docs. And my guess is we're going to see this come to other applications that we know and love as well. So I'm all for tools that make me better <laughs> and help me compose things faster, which is saving me time. And that's perfect for today's episode. Yes. Yeah, it is a really good fit. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of docs, uh, we've got another uh, small but probably pretty nice for some people uh, update to docs. And uh, now you're able to add different page numbers to different sections in Google Docs. So we've got the ability now to select, do we want to add a set of page numbers to a whole document or to a... Um, you know, a specific section of the document, or it says this point forward. And so if you want to set, if you want to create sections within your um, document and then have those have their own set of page numbers, this is something that will be rolling out. Uh, it may be something that you already see, or it may be something that's coming to docs soon, but um, this, this sounds like a pretty useful, a useful feature for some people. Yes, I think this is going to be great. I I love that Google gives us all these updates. It keeps us on our toes and it helps us learn all kinds of different ways to use these applications. Now, the next thing I want to share is actually about Google Sites. And I don't know how important this is, So, but I have a feeling somebody out there is going to know exactly how they want to use this. But for me, I, I'm still a little iffy. So you can now allow site viewers to provide feedback on your, your Google site, meaning they don't have to look for a special contact button or a form that you've embedded. It's going to be something you can enable inside Google Sites. So what you can do is on your newly created sites, apparently this feature is going to be on by default. So good to know, right? On your existing sites, it will be off, but you can enable it by going 
to more and then go to site info settings, show contact form. And then you'll be able to publish that to your site and allow people to send you feedback. Now I'm wondering what type of feedback this looks like, how it comes to us, if this could be sort of that bridge between leaving comments and maybe getting that in another place. Because I know some teachers are embedding Google Forms as a way to get feedback for their students. So I don't know if it will connect the dots, but maybe somebody out there has tried this and can let us know how it's working or if you have a really good idea on how to make this work. Essentially, all you get is the subject line and then the body, a little a little box to fill out. So it doesn't look like a full Google Form. It's just a little pop-up. But you'll be able just to send that feedback, which, of course, is great if somebody needs to tell you, hey, your link is broken or whatever. But um, a nice little add on that they've added to Google Sites. Yeah. You know, I, I was just thinking if uh, teachers had a website for parents and the parents wanted to make a quick contact to the teacher or something that could that could potentially work. I don't know. Um, it says your contact info will appear with your message. So they, they would be able to email the parent back. I don't know. That's a good question. I'll, I'll be really curious to hear that too. So, all right. So those are our news and updates for today. If you want to see more information about any of those, you can head to our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 99. So let's talk about this featured content idea here. So Matt and I have put together this laundry list of our favorite time-saving tips when it comes to Google. And of course, I told Matt, you know, we probably have two or three episodes worth of content in these notes. So you'll get these even if we don't have time to talk about them. And we were trying to make sure we're giving you new information. We have covered all kinds of time-saving tips in different episodes but we really haven't focused on it as just one main topic idea. So one of the things that I love about Google Docs is the fact that we can voice type. And voice typing can save us tons of time, especially with our students as well. Most students can talk faster than they can type. And yes, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> we can accept that. In fact, a lot of adults talk faster than they type. And when we use this, you have to enable it to access the microphone. But what I love about voice typing in Google Docs is it is really good at understanding me, even when my East Texas accent gets turned up because I've been on the phone with my mama. <laughs> it just happens, y'all. Siri does not like it when I've been talking to my mama. <laughs> Siri just doesn't understand me. So the Google Assistant is so much better. And of course, that voice assistant is built on that same platform. So you can dictate essentially right into the document and you can dictate the formatting, you can dictate new, you know, say new paragraph, bold, italics, you can put all of that in there. So one, that's great for every learner. Two, that's great for struggling learners. Three, that's great for those who may need this as an accommodation as well. And I also love the fact that voice typing is available on mobile. So when you're on the go, yes, you can open the Google Docs app and you can type dictate right in there with your voice. And so when you're on the go and yes, I'm sure nobody ever picks up their phone when they're driving. 
we won't we won't call anybody out on that. I do see very um, frequently, though, some tweets and Instagram posts about people listening to this podcast and wanting to take <laughs> notes. So if you gotta use the voice memo or use voice typing. Yes, yes, totally, totally agree with that. And and please don't, yeah, please, please be careful while you drive. Let's let's not let's not get into a dangerous situation. But but I'm with Casey on this one. I'm I'm a huge proponent of it. I think one of the biggest barriers to people using this is that they still feel weird talking to their phone. But the more that I've used voice typing, and when I say voice typing, it could be the voice typing in Google Docs that we're talking about, but it could also be the dictation features on a lot of the cell phones. Um you know, the, the more that I do it, the more I get used to it and also get used to um, saying the punctuation so that it'll put the punctuation in. So I'll, you know, say a couple of words and then period or comma or exclamation point or whatever. And I, I get used to it. In fact, <laughs> there's been a couple times where I've done a lot of dictation like that. And then I've turned around and I've tried to record something else. And I'm like saying the punctuation when I really don't need to. Um, but, but it's, it's so true that, that it goes a lot faster and, you know, um, docs isn't the only place of course that, that this works. Um, there's, there's a variety of places where you can use it too. Um, I'm going to throw Gmail out as one, um, you know, whenever you've got to check your email, especially when you have to respond to your email, I have found that sometimes it's a lot faster for me, especially if I'm going to write a longer email, it's faster for me if I open up a blank Google doc. And I use voice typing and I say everything out into voice typing and then just copy and paste it over into a message and send it away. So that's one way that I think that can definitely save you some time. Um, I'll throw another one out there. This is another time saver that I think that really works in Gmail. I am getting to be more and more of a fan of using my mobile app to check my Gmail than using my browser. And there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, one is the dictation feature. See, then you don't have to go from using your voice typing in Google Docs and switch it over. I just use the dictation on my phone and just talk straight into the message and then send it away. But then, of course, with your um, with your mobile app, you've got the swipe features. So you're able to swipe messages to archive them and and so on and so forth. So that's that's something you might want to even consider when it comes to Gmail, um, is to to pull out your cell phone and check and respond to messages with it instead. Um, speaking of Gmail, when it comes to time savers, I've got another one that you may or may not have considered before, and that has to do with filters. So if you've never set up filters before, this may be a really useful thing for you if you have certain messages that come in and you do the same thing with them all the time. So um, for instance, if you have daily announcements that come into your email and you want to hang on to them and you want to just stick them in a folder, but you don't necessarily have to look at them, then just set up a filter there. And that's, um, and then that way it'll take that message and automatically stick it into your, um, into your folder. So if you want to set one of these filters up, you use the little gear button in the top right-hand corner of your browser when you're in Gmail, and you've got a tab under the settings. You want, to, you want to do that and then click on settings. And then there's a tab that says filters and blocked addresses. And once you're there, you can create a new filter. 
And so from there, you just specify what's going to be in that message. Does it always have the same subject line and you want to stick that into a certain label? Does it always come from one person and you want to stick that into a certain label? Like once you've done that, once you've figured that out, then you can figure out what it is that you want it to do. And this is one of those things where if you feel like it takes you forever to check your email and you're always doing the same old stuff, this can definitely help. And of course, if you've got messages that you're always throwing away, go in and unsubscribe from those because that, that'll save you a whole bunch of time too. So those are a couple things I think with Gmail that, that can speed your life up. Definitely. And you could set up those filters for parent emails and things like that. I use labels also separately with filters, but also without. And so those labels help me organize my inbox. And by the way, I do use the priority inbox. That's my favorite setting where I can set it up by the messages I need to respond to, the messages I need to follow up on, and I can see everything else just at a glance. That way I'm not bogged down by the other junk that we get. But sometimes the junk is important, especially right now. We all need those Black Friday (laughs) coupons, right? So (laughs) as I'm Filtering through that, I may have my and respond label, which is red. So I remember and it's always at the top of my inbox, but I can also then come over to the left and just click on any of my labels. So even if I just need to look at the review label or information label, or maybe I've got some social media that I need to follow up on. So I use that a lot. I love, love, love Gmail. And I feel like it saves me tons of time just the way that it's set up. And I agree with you on the mobile app. I think there's a lot of features, especially the swiping Mm -hmm. the archive thing is like my favorite feature on mobile. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. (laughs) That one is, is great. And you can customize that now too. You can swipe in different directions and customize what that, what it does which way you swipe. So the only thing is it does take me a few extra clicks to go in and add different labels on mobile. So I kind of like messing with the labels more on desktop, but okay, let's switch gears a little bit. And you know, Matt and I love keyboard shortcuts. We talk about those a lot in several different episodes. There are a lot of keyboard shortcuts that I use daily. There are keyboard shortcuts that I I wish everybody could use. I wish I could embed these in the brains of of every student that I'm helping. But I will tell you that, of course, copy and paste, which is, you know, control or command C and then control or command V on the keyboard is so much faster than right clicking or going to file. You know, I watch lots of teachers really struggle still with basic copy and paste skills. So if you're listening to this and you don't struggle, but you help other teachers, make sure you show them some of these keyboard shortcuts that will save them time. Another keyboard shortcut that I was using just as we were creating the show notes is control or command K. And that's to insert a link. And I do that all the time. And what I love about Google is when I highlight that text and I hit control K, it's going to look, it's going to search the web for that title. So if it's something it's already out there, like one of my blog posts, I don't even have to go find the link myself. Google's going to find it for me. So again, saving me tons of time. Of course, the control N to open a new tab or um, 
new window, I should say. Control T is a new tab. And then control shift T that will reopen the last closed tab. And that will save us tons of time because, you know, we're, we get a little click happy sometimes as we're going through life and we close a tab. We're like, oh, where was that? How did I get to that web page? So control shift T is one of my best friends. I also use a lot of um, keyboard shortcuts to help me with filling in text in different places. And these are actually called text expanders. And I think Matt mm-hmm. uses these too. But there's Chrome extension. There's several Chrome extensions, but there's lots of different ways you can do this. You can set this up on your mobile device as well. But essentially, you create like a trigger, like a short code. And when you type in that short code, it's going to fill it in with the rest of your information. So if it's something you type all the time. Maybe it's some kind of response to a parent that you're repeating yourself. Um, You could set up a canned response in Gmail, but you could also, if you're copying and pasting this or putting it in different places, you could set up some of those text expanders. I know I have a lot of those set up with common information that I use over and over again. Um, Matt, how do you use the text expander? Oh, yeah. I've got, um, you know, like my address. Um, I found that when I write emails, there's a handful of things that I say the same all the time. So I'll have it, um, you know, just a little key, uh, a little shortcut for that. So I don't have to say those over and over again, just stuff like that. Exactly. And, you know, you and I were answering a lot of emails about speaking engagements. So we get asked for the same, like our bio and our pictures. And so I set up little short codes for those to be able to add that information really quickly. So if you find yourself kind of in that situation where you are constantly kind of saying, typing up the same sentence over and over again, look at the text expanders Chrome extension that can definitely save you some time. Yes. Yeah, totally. Totally. I agree. You know, you were mentioning keyboard shortcuts earlier. There's, there's one that I use probably, um, more often than most that you can use. You can use this one in docs and slides and drawings. And I believe you can use it in sheets too, just about anything, um, where you can change the, uh, size of the font. So I'll do control shift period and control shift comma. Um, and what those will do. By the way, if you've got a Mac, you don't want to use control, you want to use command. So that would be command, shift, comma, command, shift, period. And what those will do is change the size of your text. And so it'll make your text bigger, 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 smaller, smaller, smaller each time that you push the period or the comma. And when I tell people about that comma and period, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense until they look at that key. So if they look at those keys on the keyboard, they'll see that it's like the greater than and less than brackets. Um, so that's the easy way to remember it. Control shift. And then you use those two little brackets on the period and the comma key. And that makes your text bigger, 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 smaller, smaller, smaller. So those are a couple of them that, that I found, um, to be super useful. So a couple of other keyboard shortcuts that just came to me that I absolutely love and use all the time. One is control or command plus and minus, which zooms in or zooms out your screen. And so I do that a lot in presentations. And I also will set up special um, things on my Mac for presentations to zoom in on certain areas, but that's not a keyboard shortcut. But the 
if you use the control plus and minus, it will help you zoom in really quickly and to, you know, bring something better. Because, you know, sometimes when you connect your projector, things don't always look great. And teachers need to know this, too, to help kids see stuff. The other one is when you're in drive. I do this one all the time. Because I have so many different file types that are all safe to drive, including things like PDFs, but because I usually open PDFs in different add-ons, it might take it a little while to open and it kind of irritates me. So I just hit P and P is preview. And you can do that with videos. You can do that with all kinds of files without opening a new tab. So if you're just like, is that the right file? Or can I get that one quick piece of information without actually opening the file? Sometimes that can save you from becoming the tab hoarder that I am. (laughs) Yeah, you and me both. Um, I thought I was done with keyboard shortcuts, and then I thought of two more (laughs) that I had to share. So I'm going to do two more of these real quick, and then we'll move on to something else. Um, There's a a way to paste. You know, you can use Control-V to paste, but if you hold in that Shift key whenever you paste, it's going to paste that text in with the same formatting that you've already got there. So um, if you've ever copied something from one place and you pasted it in and the, um, you know, the font and the formatting looks all wonky and everything, hold in that shift key whenever you paste and it's going to keep that same formatting as all the text around it. So there's that one. And then if you're using a Chromebook, this isn't so much a keyboard shortcut as it is kind of like a uh, touchpad shortcut. But um, And this is something I wish that all computers had, but only Chromebooks, as far as I can tell, have it. Um, This is where you use three fingers. And if you take three fingers and if you swipe to the right with those three fingers on a Chromebook, it's going to bounce you to the right uh, to different tabs. So as you swipe to the right, it's going to move your active tab to the right, to the right, to the right. And then the more that you move it to the left, it'll move it to the left. So you can switch between tabs super, super easily that way. So if you use a Chromebook on a regular basis, or if you want to impress your students who used Chromebooks, that's always one I like to throw out to students. Um, that's, that's one that you can definitely do. Um, so while we were on Chrome, I thought I'd throw out a couple of quick uh, Chrome extensions that I really, really like. So I'm just looking at my my uh, bar up here to see what I've got. And there's there's a few of them. I want to throw out tab scissors and tab glue. Um, one of the things that I really uh, loved when I was using a Windows laptop for a long time was that you could drag a window up in the top right-hand corner and it would just expand it to the right half of your screen. Drag it to the left-hand corner, it would expand it to the left half of your screen. Um, But now that I'm using a MacBook regularly, I can't do that quite as easily. But if I use tab scissors and tab glue, it will do a similar thing. So there are two separate extensions that you set up in your Chrome browser. And if you click the tab scissors, it's going to split the uh, browser at the selected tab. And so then it, it takes half of the, or it takes the remainder of the tabs and puts them on one side and then the others on the other side. And then if you want to bring them all back together, surprise, surprise, if you use the scissors to cut, you're going to use the glue to put them back together. So... That's one that I use on a pretty regular basis. Um, there's a handful of other ones whenever I find things out on the web. Um, the two that I use the most when it comes to that are probably Wakelet and Google Keep. So I like to be able to save things into both of those. Um, Wakelet, I use Wakelet all the time to save tweets. 
Um, you can save other stuff too, but um, to be able to save, you know, something I found on Twitter that I don't want to lose, I'll click that little wakelet extension and then I'll pick which uh, collection I want to add it to. And then of course you can do that with Google Keep too. You can create a new Google Keep note. Um, remember Google Keep's kind of like your sticky notes that goes with you wherever your Google account does. And so you can click on that Chrome extension and you can save a web address to a Google Keep note. So those are some that, that I couldn't live without, I think. Yes. And as you said that, I'm actually currently split screen using tab scissors and tab glue. I use it all the time. Ah, how about that? Yes. And that's one of those, those tips that teachers will love. So, it, you know, if you're listening to this and you're the techie teacher, but, you know, lots of other teachers don't know these tips. And this is the kind of thing that gets them on board with using technology when you can help them save time. So I love these tips. I love Chrome extensions. I am adding a link to the show notes to the Chrome app and extension database that I've created. I do need to update it, but it has, I know, a lot of the ones that we've already mentioned. So I've tried to put together a place for you to find these approved, you know, sort of teacher approved Chrome apps and extensions that will save you time. So I love, love, love tab scissors and tab glue. I also love OneTab. So that's an extension that will automatically close all of your tabs and save them in a web page for you. So I had to do that right before we started recording because my computer was on and making too much noise. The fan was on because I was running out of memory. And so I had to quickly close everything. So I used one tab to save the day so that you couldn't hear it on my little mini mic in my um, my current lab laboratory situation I got going today. So lots of things. I, I feel like we probably could have made this whole episode just about keyboard shortcuts too. So we've shared so many things and I know you all have your favorite tips and tricks, but you know, please share those with us as well. And remember, we love hearing from you here on the tribe, but of course we've got links to these resources and tons of other resources to help you save time with Google in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 99. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. All right, Tribe, it's mailbag time. We do love getting mail, uh, getting mail from you. You know, we, we love to hear what you're up to, what you're working on, what your tips are, what your questions are, and all of that. And so this one comes from Guy Winters. Uh, Guy is from Ramsey, Minnesota. And here's what he said. He said, I had thought about captions in slides only as a feature used by a teacher when giving a presentation. Now, I'm going to stop real quick and say, if you're not familiar with this, this is the live closed captions in Google Slides. This is when you start a slide presentation by presenting it and you click the captions button and it starts using your microphone and it transcribes what you're saying right up on the screen. And then he says... But a comment from Jen Conti about students using captions opened my mind to new opportunities. The student can take control rather than waiting or asking the teacher to start captions. They can start captions while the class is watching a video without captions and have captioned conversations with teachers or peers. This would also make good speech practice for English language learners, debate team members, drama and speech students, 
and students with speech or hearing impairments. The teacher can build a deck of slides with words or phrases, and the students can practice on their own. And, you know, I I hadn't really thought of that either. Like, I, I always thought of it as... You know, the the teacher just doing the presentation from the front of the room and turning on the captions. But really, this is this is something that can go in the students hands, too. So um, thank you, Guy, for sending the message in. Thank you, Jen, Jen Conti, for the uh, comment that she left. Um, yeah, this is this is a, a really good way to use it as well, I think. Yeah, I love those ideas. That's that's a fantastic way. And a, not something you would naturally just think of. Like you said, we're going beyond. We're thinking of something new to do with it. So I love that. Our next little question here from the mailbag comes from Beth Kostka. She is from the great state of Georgia. And here's what she said. Thanks for a wonderful episode. I listened to your podcast this week and was shocked to realize that I have access to Jamboard with G Suite for Education. I had no clue. I have now been playing around with it and love it. I'm wondering if any teachers have ever tried to use Jamboard as a digital portfolio. I'm thinking that each sheet could be a unit and students upload pictures, reflections, and models and drawings to show their thinking. I would love to hear if this has been tried. I'm thinking about trying it and would prefer not to reinvent the wheel. So Beth, wow. Why didn't I think of that? That's a fabulous idea for Jamboard. And I'm very interested too. I wonder if anyone out there has tried this. So, you know, there's so many different ways that we've approached digital portfolios. A lot of people are using Google Sites, but I am very curious if anyone has tried this with Jamboard. And if not, you may want to collaborate with Beth if you're interested so that you can both practice and learn together. But we would love to hear from you. Um, Remember, you can always go to Google Teacher Tribe slash feedback and leave us a message. So if you have something to add to this or any of the other ideas that have been shared today, please do so. So let's see what's happening on the blogs this week. So I have to tell you that I shared something a little bit different this week on the Shake Up Learning Show podcast. It is the Shake Up Learning story. It's pretty much my story, how I got started in education, all of the steps and missteps I made along the way. But this was really hard for me to record. In fact, I recorded the entire episode twice because it's a little personal. And I just am such a private person that it, it, it was really hard for me to do. But I've been asked so many times Casey, how did you start doing this? How did you get here? Oh, I didn't get that. Haha, <laughs> Siri's talking again. to me. I don't know how <laughs> that one came up. Hey, butt out, Siri. Said, we didn't Casey. ask you. I said Casey. Yeah, no, it's and now it's saying Caleb and Casey. Stop it. Okay, that's going to be great for the outtakes. So, I say it. Anyway, um, if you're interested and want to learn from the lessons that I have learned along the way, definitely check that out. 
And I also wanted to remind everyone that the Google certification courses are open, but they will close on December 3rd. So if you're interested in enrolling in any of my courses to become a level one or level two Google certified educator or even a Google certified trainer, those are only going to be available for a limited time. So you can check the show notes for a link or go to getgooglecertified.com. All right. So I've got a couple things to share with you real quick. Uh, one is we just recently had a ditch book Twitter chat. Um, so this is a Twitter chat that happens on Thursdays, 7 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern. Yes, I've done that a couple times before. Um, it's only 30 minutes. And in these Twitter chats, um, we have just a variety of questions around a singular topic. And they're really great for getting a whole bunch of ideas in a short amount of time and being able to interact with people. So um, we had one recently about Google Sites. And so we came away with some really good tips and tricks and ideas. And so um, after each Twitter chat, we gather some of the best tweets together into a post And so this one was called 20 Google Sites Tips and Tricks. So if you want to go check that out, you certainly can. And if you are a Twitter user, uh, we would love to see you in our uh, regular Thursday chat. Now, if you're not sure how to do a Twitter chat, I'm going to have a link in the show notes that will take you to a free ebook uh, that we published on the Ditch That Textbook blog um, about uh, how to use Twitter as an educator. And it has a whole section about Twitter chats. So I wanted to tell you about that, but I also wanted to tell you about the Ditch That Textbook Digital Summit. This is my free online conference for teachers I put on every year in December. It's going to start on December 21st. And just this week, I released the names of all of the speakers. Now, if you haven't seen this yet, you can head to ditchsummit.com to go check it out. But I wanted to tell you, probably there's there's one in particular that I'm super, super excited about. So um, one of my favorite... Uh, authors is Austin Kleon. Uh, he wrote Steal Like an Artist and Show Your Work. And um, most recently, he wrote a book called Keep Going. Love all of his books. He was gracious enough to be one of the speakers on the Ditch That Textbook Digital Summit. And I just got to record the interview with him yesterday. And oh my goodness, it was fantastic. So um, if you want to get in on this, you can... Um, You can hear all of the video presentations. You can get certificates of completion for professional development credit for watching them. So if you head over to ditchsummit.com and sign up, that will get you your free ticket to participate in the summit. So um, you get links to everything that we talked about, of course, on our show notes as well at googleteachertribe.com slash 99. All right. Well, that wraps up episode 99. Oh my goodness. We've done 99 of those. And you know what that means, Casey? That means that episode 100 is next. And oh my goodness, this is going to be so much fun. I think uh, we're, we're going to have something special lined up for you all. And I think, I think they're going to really enjoy it. Don't you think, Casey? I think so, too. I think there may be some special surprises in store, so you don't want to miss episode 100. I can't believe we made it, and we made it to 1 million downloads, and thank you all so much for helping us get here. 
Yes, absolutely. We are so looking forward to episode 100, but we look forward to being with you every single week. And so thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.